We're going to read from Luke chapter 11 and verse 10. Luke chapter 11 and verse 10. And the title of my message today is The Father's Provision. But just before we do that, I've just got a little uh, announcement to make. Um, You know that here at Kensington Temple, we are a cell church. And we have cells for youth and cells for children. And we have cells for men and cells for women. But also, we do have some... Uh, particular cells that focus on what we call young adults. That's uh, between the ages of 18 to 30. And we have those for uh, young adult women and young adult men. Um, But I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to be starting an 18 to 30 cell group for young men. Now, if that's not for people already in cells, but if there's anybody you know, young men, 18 to 30, younger the better, who aren't plugged in, to KT or to church, but they're Christians, and uh, maybe you might be here tonight and you're one of them, or you know somebody, then, uh, you know, email me. My email's on uh, our website. Let me know. Get them to get in touch with me. So those that aren't plugged in, but you think that maybe uh, a cell group, 18 to 30s, led by myself, might be something that could help turn their life around or bring them forward, um, then uh, uh, let me know. So I'm just throwing that out there. So we're going to read from uh, Luke chapter 11 and verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I believe that in these days of fresh seeking the Lord, that this is one of the most important passages that I could teach on. It's something that I have been studying the whole of Luke chapter 11, been studying again and again in my personal life. Uh, This section features heavily in a book, my new book that I've just written, uh, called The Isaac Factor, Getting Ready for More of the Holy Spirit, and that will be out later this year. And the background to this section about comparing God as a father with a human father and saying that how much more, the conclusion is, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If you back up a bit, you find that at the beginning of chapter 11, we have the Lord's Prayer. The disciples are saying, teach us how to pray. And, God, and Jesus teaches them the Lord's Prayer. But then he doesn't finish. A lot of us finish. We, we say, oh, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaches them, uh, Father, hallowed be your name, etc., uh, etc. Et and then we stop. But Jesus does not stop his teaching just there, giving them the Lord's Prayer. Uh, on the contrary, he knows that giving them the Lord's Prayer, the template, the Our Father template, is not enough. He knows that just to give them those great themes in the Lord's Prayer, to unpackage, in because every sentence in the Lord's Prayer is a theme you can pray through with the Holy Spirit for minutes, hours even, as the Holy Spirit goes. He knew that it wouldn't be enough just to give them the, the, the prayer. He knew that we would falter 
because what would happen is that we would give up praying because we wouldn't be patient enough. And in the next section, he talks about the patience that we should have in prayer, but he also emphasizes the willingness of the Father to provide for his children. It's those two things. So you get the picture of the, the parable after that of the, of the person whose guests come in the middle of the night and they've got no food. So they go around the neighbours and they knock on the door and the neighbour's not happy, the neighbour's not willing, the neighbour's furious, the neighbour's got a bad attitude uh, and yet the neighbour still gives them the food. And uh, the, the idea is, hey, if a bad-tempered neighbour will give you what you need for all the wrong reasons, how much more will the father give what you need and provide for you? And then he says, after that, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. Now, the tense in, in the Greek, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, reads like this. It says, ask and keep on asking. Seek, not once or twice, but keep on seeking. Knock, not once, but keep on knocking, and then you will get the answer. You will find what you're seeking, the door will eventually be opened. So there's a sense here where there's a time. And, and then out of that, uh, he then goes on to speak about what father among you. And so when we're talking about the father's provision for our lives, you have to understand that the, the Lord's Prayer is full of provision. Forgive us our sins, provision for, for sanctification and healing. Uh, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth in all of our circumstances, just like it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Protect us from the evil one. It's full of provision, isn't it? The Lord's Prayer for our lives. But you just don't pray it once. You're going to have to keep pressing in. And Jesus knew that there'd be two dangers. Number one, that we'd give up. We'd say it's not going to happen. Nothing's changed, we're going to give up. Or that something might get into our minds that somehow the Father doesn't like us. Maybe we're not holy enough to receive answered prayer from Him. Or, or maybe He doesn't care about us. And so the, uh, the delay in receiving, number one, and also beginning to think, well, maybe I've done something wrong, God doesn't like me, and God doesn't care for me, and, uh, and I'm guilty, and he'll never provide for me. These two things, patience and understanding how much the Father loves you, will help you get through to the point where you will finally receive what you're asking for. Now, we have this wonderful imagery where uh, Jesus says, what father among you if his son asks? And we get this picture in uh, Luke and also in Matthew's version. If you take those versions together, you get three things. It talks about asking your father for bread or asking your father for fish or asking your father for egg. And so these are basic provisions. And of course, in Jesus' time, that the main task of a father was to provide for his family. Unfortunately, in daily life today, there are many absent fathers, aren't they? Many fathers that you have to take to court if you want them to provide for the child that uh, they brought help bring into this world. 
But in those days, your primary task as a father was to bring provision for your family in all respects, spiritual and material. And so here we're speaking about a child going to a human father and asking for provision. Now, I, I had some uh, photographs that I, I wanted to show you uh, just to simply illustrate what we're talking about, but they got lost, and so Michelle got her own photographs, so I've not seen them yet, so let's see how she does. So imagine a child going to its father and asking for bread. Well, that's not bad. Is that sourdough, Michelle? Michelle did this for me. That's quite nice. Mine had a bit of butter on it and, and everything like that. But basic, basic stuff for bread. Imagine going, a, a child going to their father and saying, Father, please, I'm so hungry. Can you provide me with some bread? And instead, the father provides them with, next photo, a stone. That looks like coal, Michelle. You know I was born in Gateshead, but there we are, a stone. I mean, how cruel would that be? I mean, the idea is, what kind of father would do that? What about fish? What if, what if a child asked its father to provide them with fish, Michelle? Let's see what you've done. Oh, now that's better. Fish and chips. Fish and chips, and that's a great photo that Michelle has done. My photo, being a northerner, it did have mushy peas on it and scraps. Do you know what scraps are? You know, those little bits, all the scraps then. You ask for scraps and they're free in the north. And I'd probably add a battered sausage as well if it was me. So that, 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 there we go. We all know where you're going to go after the service tonight. But instead of providing with fish and chips, the father provided them with a... Show the picture. A snake. It's, it's only a photo, folks. A snake. I mean, what kind of, of father would give a poisonous snake to a child that has fish? And then finally, oh, what if a child asked the father for an egg? What eggs have we got, Michelle? Oh, all right. Is that a McDonald's one? No, that's very nice. That's very nice. Um, mine was eggs benedict, so it had, it, was, it had a little bit more to it. But that, that's, that, that's very... Are you hungry? Are you hungry? <laughs> but instead of giving an egg, the father turns around and puts on the plate. Anybody want a crunchy scorpion sandwich tonight? Now you say, well, those are very simple photos. Thank you, Michelle, you did great. Those are simple photos. Yes, well, these are simple illustrations because God wants to get... Jesus wants to get a simple message to these to his followers because they've asked how shall we pray and so what Jesus is saying is you've got to understand the goodness of your father and how that even the best father that has ever existed on the earth the greatest and most wonderful father who provides for his family, not just food, but a safe environment, and an encouraging environment, and a spiritual environment, okay? The full provision, the best father, the best human father on earth, compared to the father in heaven, is evil. I mean, he doesn't pack any punches, does he? Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? How much more? 
When you're doubting God's fatherly provision for you, remember those three words, how much more. Whether you're a father or a mother or single, you imagine your child and how you would want to provide for them. How much more does the Father care for us, who is not evil or fallen like we, and if we, in our fallen state, really want to see our children properly provided for, how much more? I mean, it's going to take some meditation on that before the penny drops on how much more God is a provider for us. But having said that, you have to understand that, that God is not, I mean, you don't press a buzzer and he turns up and gives you what you want, when you want, how you want. That's called spoiling. You ever met a spoiled child? A spoiled child gets what they want, when they want, how they want, and if they don't, they're going to kick up a fuss. The problem is you take a spoiled child and the parents that spoil the children into a toy shop and the child comes out with every toy under the sun, takes them home and after 10 minutes doesn't want to see them again. Why? Because they don't value what they've been given. But if you teach a child properly and provide properly for a child, and then there'll be times when they'll have to wait for the gift they desire. Or, or they'll have to do some chores, or, or do a paper round, or whatever, whatever it might be, or wait until their birthday. So that when it comes, they realise its worth, and they, they, they find it precious. So spoiled children don't find anything precious. And so God will not spoil his children. And sometimes, you know, we do act like spoiled children with God. I want it, and I want it now. I prayed for it. You didn't give it to me, Father, so what's the matter with you? Or, what's the matter with me? And we get confused and we give up. Prayer doesn't work. The Father doesn't care for me. He hasn't given what I've asked for. He's not interested in me. And we get offended or, 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 we, or we break our relationship, in a sense, with, with God. But how much more? God knows what you need, when you need it, and how much to give to you. He really is, this is where the faith comes, the perfect father. Now, some of us may have been in Christ long enough to have seen God's perfect fatherly provision take place in our lives. Uh, and we look back and we go, I'm so, God that, so glad that God delayed in giving me this, that, or the other. I'm so glad. At the time, I wanted it, and I wanted it bad. I thought she was my wife. I thought she was my husband. But now I'm married to somebody else. I'm glad that never took place, and God said no. Or the job, or the career, or whatever situation it might be. As best as you knew, it was the best thing for you. But, father said, but the father was saying all along, although you couldn't hear it because of the circumstance you're in, I've got something better. I've got something better for you, but you're going to have to wait. And uh, even if you're thinking, why not, why not now? It's because it's not the best time to give it to you. He's not going to withhold any good thing unless there's a better thing or a better time to give it to you. James 1, verse 16 to 17, I've written a commentary on James called um, Shut Up and Show Me, and this is one of my favourite verses. James 1, 16 and 17. 
Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Isn't that wonderful? Every good gift. And every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, within whom there is no variation of shadow due to change. What does that mean? James is using the picture of an outdoor sundial. You ever seen an outdoor sundial? It's a flat circle, and on it there's a point. And it's set in a way that as the sun uh, moves from uh, dawn to sunset, as it moves, it casts a shadow on this point that's on the sundial, and where you see the shadow cast, it moves as the sun moves, and you can tell what time it is. The only time on that sundial with the pointer that there's not a shadow cast is at noontime. At the highest point of the sun, there is no shadow cast on that sundial. And that's why you know it's, 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 it's the highest, it's noontime, it's sun time. And so what James is saying is don't be deceived. In other words, don't get mixed up that every good gift comes from God, but also that God never changes. Listen, people change, have you noticed that? Situations and circumstances change, don't they? Have you noticed that? But you know, God never changes. He is at his best all of the time. And he is shining his fatherly love and care and provision on you all of the time. Uh, I remember one Bible student, Conrad, remember Conrad gave, of course you do, was in your cell group, and he had this saying, he's German, he would say, God's not in a bad mood. <laughs> he was like, God's not in a bad mood. And, and he's, he, had, he had a point, because God is not in a bad mood over his children. He loves us, he cares for us, yes, he disciplines us. How many's ever had a good spanking by the Lord, eh? You don't want to have another one, but it was the best thing that ever happened to you. It corrected you. Uh, God can, can, can do those things. He loves you. He never changes. So why would James say that? Why would I be teaching, Jesus be teaching on, keep praying, keep knocking, and God is not like even the best of the human fathers that are evil compared to him? Because of circumstances that come into our lives where we have to believe God when it seems Adam at that moment that he's not providing for us. You see, here in this sundial illustration of James, I mean, what would happen if the clouds came? Would you be able to read that sundial? No, the clouds would obscure the sun. Is the sun still shining when we've got clouds? Is the sun less shining when we've got clouds? But how do we feel when we've got heavy, heavy clouds? We're used to clouds in Britain. We've had a bit of a break last few days. One of the reasons that I went to Cyprus was because you're almost guaranteed cloudless skies at this time of the year. That's one of the main reasons that I went. But if there had been clouds, although I or you would be under a shadow, would that sun above the clouds be shining as brightly as ever? Yes. 
You ever been in an aeroplane and it's raining and it's muggy and it's cloudy and, and you take off into the rain and all the dark clouds and you're going through these dark clouds, but what happens when you pop up above the clouds? It's a beautiful sunny day, if it's daytime, isn't it? It's wonderful. You realise that the environment beneath the clouds is different to the environment above the clouds and actually for the environment to change you just need the clouds to pass. How many of you know that clouds never stay in the same place for long? They're always moving because there is a wind that's involved in the clouds that is moving them in and moving them out. The Holy Spirit, he is like a wind. And so sometimes when clouds come into our lives, that's where we have to believe that God is good all of the time. When things aren't going well under the cloud of your test or your trial or your situation, have you the faith to penetrate through those clouds and say, God, I know by faith you're still shining brightly on me. These clouds will pass and you will shine through again. I trust you. I believe you. I knock. I ask. I seek. You're a better father than the best father that's ever walked on the earth. These clouds will pass, but you will remain. This is the provision of the Father, and he just wants us to trust him. You know, in uh, Matthew's version of, of, of this teaching, here in Luke, uh, it says, uh, if, you are evil, if you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, Matthew also records Jesus teaching this, but what he says is he says, how much more will God give good things to us, all right? So Matthew's recording of this, of this teaching, he doesn't say the Holy Spirit, he says good things. Well, which one's right? Well, they're both right. Remember, this is just a little aside, but remember, Jesus taught his parables many, many times. He didn't teach one parable once and then never say, I can't ever teach that again. He taught the Sermon on the Mount, but he also taught a similar uh, Sermon on the Plain. And so when you see uh, parables slightly different in different contexts, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, understand he's preaching this message again and again and again. Every time he goes into a new village, he preaches the gospel of the kingdom. He preaches the same themes he's preached in the other villages. And so that's sometimes we see Jesus adapting, changing things, like anybody. When I teach from my book, or, or when you get people, uh, like when you get very famous uh, preachers that preach around the world, often what they'll do is they'll have one book, uh, uh, say, um, say uh, John Bevere, The Bait of Satan. Ever read that popular book? And so he'll, he'll get that revelation, he'll write that book, and then for that year, as he travels around the world, what's he going to be teaching on? The Bait of Satan. It's the book, it's his revelation for that year. So whatever country he goes to, he preaches from the same material that God's given him for that year. But he preaches it in different ways, with different illustrations, and gets different revelations for different people. I just wanted to throw that in, because um, I think that's helpful. Now, so 
Matthew, when Jesus is teaching in Matthew, he says, uh, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? But Luke says that at another time, Jesus said, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And this is where I want to focus uh, right now. The Holy Spirit. So Matthew can say, Jesus can say, good gifts. I'll provide, Father will provide for you and he'll give good things to you. But he can also say the Holy Spirit. Now, why can he say both? Well, that's because the greatest, if I can use the word thing, the greatest thing that the Father can ever give a human being is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the greatest gift on planet Earth today. There is no greater gift that God can give a human being than the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then there's nothing greater that God can give than more of the Holy Spirit to person. The more of the Holy Spirit you have, the, the more blessed you will be. It's the best thing. I mean, right from the beginning, the gospel was always about receiving the gift of the Spirit. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And Peter said to them in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. But he didn't stop there. We often stop there. It's good, everybody needs forgiveness of sins if they want to go to heaven, but he doesn't stop there. He says, repent and baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The blessing of Abraham is not the land of Israel, it's the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Galatians 3.14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. You see, forgiveness of sins is not an end in itself. Forgiveness of sins is so that you can then receive the greatest gift that God can give, the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is a gift, but he's also a reward. In other words, when God gives you the gift of, you, of his Holy Spirit for the first time, it's by simple faith. You don't have to do anything, you don't have to pray, you just, you just say, I want the Holy Spirit. Your sins are forgiven, you've called on the name of the Lord, your sins are forgiven, and now you are ready to receive a gift. You've got the gift of forgiveness of sins, and that now qualifies you to receive, just by simple faith, the gift of the Holy Spirit to fill you and to begin operating in your life powerfully, okay? So the Holy Spirit is a gift, but he's also a reward. Because why would it say in Luke that, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the point here is, the more you ask, the more you get. There is an asking. The whole, the whole passage, isn't it, is the Lord's Prayer. 
It's about asking, it's about seeking, it's about knocking, and it's about receiving, it's about finding, it's about open doors happening, it's about good gifts, better gifts than an earthly father would give their children. And And the way that you get these things is by asking. James says, you don't get because you don't ask. We can talk about your motives as well, but you don't ask. And so if you ask, you shall receive. I know it's simple, but it's a key to receiving more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, why does Matthew say, give good things, and Luke record, give the Holy Spirit? Because when the Holy Spirit comes and comes in greater influence in your life, he brings all the good things with him. He's like a guest that doesn't arrive at the door empty-handed. You know, the best guests, when you invite them around for a meal, they don't come empty-handed. Depending on on what your stance is, they have a nice bottle of wine with them. Or they have some flowers or some chocolate or some pudding. Uh, They don't come empty-handed. Well, when the Holy Spirit comes to you, He doesn't come empty-handed. And the more that you have of the Holy Spirit, the more of the good things from heaven he brings to earth in your life. So, you know, another way of saying it, isn't it, is seek first the kingdom of God and all these things, what things? All the things that the world are running after, earthly provision, will be added, added unto you. So seek first the kingdom of God. You could say, Lord, more of the Holy Spirit, please. It's the same thing. Your will be done, your kingdom come in my life on earth as it is in heaven. It's the same thing as saying more of the Holy Spirit, please. Because the Holy Spirit brings from heaven. He brings foretastes from heaven. This is really, really important. Because a lot of us are saying, more Lord, more Holy Spirit, we want more of your presence, we want more of the... But do we really know what we're asking for and what that means? Yes, it means uh, an increase in spiritual gifts, but it's far more than that. So, uh, for example, Romans 8, 23. And we as believers also groan. Why? Because we're in a fallen world and we go through fallen, broken situations. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, a foretaste of future glory. That's the NLT version. That's Romans 8.23. So we're groaning, we're broken. The world is broken, it's fallen. It's not like it was when God first created it. It has fallen, humanity has fallen, but God sent his son to die on the cross so that he could begin uh, uh, healing the world and healing people. And one day when Jesus returns, the whole world is going to be fixed. But until then, there's a groaning. And even though we have the Holy Spirit, we know that we are subject to this fallen world and that even our bodies will die should Jesus tarry. It's real, he's real Paul in this age when he's a realist. But that we have the Holy Spirit, a foretaste of future glory. More of the Holy Spirit, what does that do? It brings samples of heaven on earth for us to experience. Isn't that amazing? When the Holy Spirit, what is revival except an experience of heaven on earth in varying degrees? And so, foretaste, I use this illustration a lot, but it works. And I use this illustration in the book I've just written. And, and, it, and it's, I went into Tesco's 
And you know they have those sample tables. And they put little samples like on sticks, don't they, for you to try. And they had some little cubes of new cheese that had just come on the shelf. They're little cubes of cheese. So I go up to the table. Sir, would you like to try some new cheese just in? Yes, I will. Thank you. And I take a little bit of a cube of cheese on a stick. And I taste it. I think, that's nice. And I reach out and take another one. And the, uh, the person at the table saw him. What's he doing? <laughs> oh, that is really nice. And so I reach out to take another one. And the person, uh, sir. These are just samples. If you want the full cheese, it's on aisle six, five pounds. You know what I'm saying? It's a sample. It's a sample. But you know, when you ask God for more of the Holy Spirit, you're asking for samples of heaven. Samples of heaven on earth and everything that that can bring into your life. And you know, the Holy Spirit is, gen gentle, is, is, is sorry, generous. The Father is generous. You can have as much of the sample of things to come as you want. You can have as much as the Holy Spirit as you want if you're prepared to ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. Trust and keep trusting that your seeking for the Holy Spirit is not in vain. There's a big sample coming down. And sometimes in revival, it's almost like the believers get the whole cheese. Not just a sample, but the whole, whole G's. He's a foretaste. He's a guarantee. He's a taste. He, 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 he brings to us heaven. So when we ask for more of the Holy Spirit, which is the greatest thing that we can ask for, it's the same as praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. What's going to happen? Well, expect God to hear your prayer and to answer it. The greatest gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. God will give it to anyone who believes. But more of the Holy Spirit is a reward. And when I say reward, I, I'm simply saying you can have as much of him as you want or as little of him as you don't want. You really can. This is what all of this is about. And so what happens when you have more of the Holy Spirit? Because you know, do you think you just roll on the floor or couple of words of knowledge or some healings and miracles, of course, those are very important. When the Holy Spirit comes, it can affect people physically, uh, in all many ways, spiritually, emotionally, gifts of the Spirit, will they come from the Holy Spirit? So we should expect those to increase as the Holy Spirit increases in, in our lives. We should be impacted by Him emotionally, physically and spiritually um, al along the way. But when you ask for more of the Holy Spirit, What's going to happen is change is going to take place on the inside of you. Change is going to take place on the circumstances around you. And change is going to be taking place upon you. What do I mean? When you ask for more of the Holy Spirit, the first thing he wants to do is come in greater influence and activity inside your heart. The greatest work of the Holy Spirit is in the hearts of human beings. So when you ask for more of the Holy Spirit, whatever you're expecting him to, to do, he, his primary work will be to say, right, I'm going to get inside you and I'm going to do some work in your life. And that work is not always joyful because it's more of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit brings more of heaven, what does heaven do? Does heaven bless? Yes, heaven blesses, but it also confronts. 
Heaven comes, the kingdom of heaven comes, the kingdom of God comes by more of the Holy Spirit and confronts the kingdom of darkness and the worldliness that's within our hearts. It doesn't leave it alone. When Jesus brought revival in those three years, uh, many things happened, but three things happened because he was under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The first thing was great blessing. Great healing of people's hearts, forgiveness, people getting saved, uh, bodies being healed. Uh, wonderful, wonderful healing, saving works. You read about it. That's Jesus and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's the main thing that comes when the Holy Spirit comes in power. But also, there was, there was a great reaction to, to Jesus' ministry and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Pharisees hated it. You see, when God, we ask for more of the Holy Spirit, he's going to come and he's going to bring healing in your heart, healing in your mind. He's going to touch you on the inside. But also, the Holy Spirit will confront your flesh. Because we know in Galatians 5 that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, hates the things of the flesh. But do you know what? The flesh hates the things of the Spirit. So that when the Spirit comes, what he'll come in, in a gathering or a church or a, a city or a nation or an individual, he'll come with his blessing, he'll come with his healing, but he's, he's come on the warpath to confront your flesh. And there'll be times when your flesh will rear up. Yes, there'll be blessing and joy in times of visitation of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes there'll be times of sadness. Uh, don't be too discouraged. If you're asking for more of the Holy Spirit, and yes, you feel joy, but sometimes you might feel the worst Christian in the world. There's times when I ask for more of the Holy Spirit, and I felt the worst Christian in the world. Now, don't get into condemnation. What is happening? The Holy Spirit is just bringing up that stuff that's there and saying, look at this, Bruce. Look what I just found in your heart. And I'm going, oh, oh, I don't like that. Is that me? Yeah. Oh, I feel terrible. I've, oh, what a horrible person I am. No, 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 you're not a horrible person. I am bringing this up to take it away. Amen? Bring it up to take it away. He's not going to leave you there very long. If you cooperate with him, he brings it out to take it away. So there's times of joy and there's times of, uh, that, 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 that he'll do that. So he'll go work on the inside of you. So you're asking more Holy Spirit, more Holy Spirit. Don't just think your hands might begin to tingle or you might get slain in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going, right, I'm coming in your heart to bless, to heal, to confront. I'm going to do my work. That's what I do. You want more of me? I'll increase my work and activity in your heart by factors. Also, he will work in your, your circumstances more. So if you ask for more of the Holy Spirit, Father, I ask for more of the Holy Spirit, then things are going to happen on the inside of you. You need to be aware, God's at work. Don't think, what's happening? I have no idea what's happening. Well, you asked for more of the Holy Spirit, didn't you? Yeah, well, what do you think? You've got more of him influencing, working, and doing his work in your heart. Expect that. But also the Holy Spirit will work in your circumstances. More Holy Spirit. And God the Father sends it. And all of a sudden, stuff starts happening in your circumstances. Sometimes it's a great blessing, great victories, but sometimes it's very difficult. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is at work in your circumstances. And the Holy Spirit blows like a wind. That's what Jesus said, that the Spirit blows where he wills. The word for Spirit in the New Testament in the Greek is also wind. So sometimes when you say, more Holy Spirit... 
Expect there to be great work, sometimes painful, sometimes joyful. God's at work on the... What's, what's going on? There's times I've said, oh God, what's going on on the inside of me? I feel like I've been stripped down. I feel I've been de, um, um, de, deconstructed. I've felt times, I feel like I've been totally deconstructed on the inside. What's going on? Well, you asked for more of my Holy Spirit, Jesus was saying. So I sent him. So he's deconstructing you to construct you right. He's, he's at work in you. You're a building site, Bruce Atkinson. And you asked for the builder to come down. So I sent more of him. So he's working stronger than he did before. Well, he does the same thing in our circumstances. So when the Holy Spirit comes in our circumstances, anything can happen. You've asked for more of the Holy Spirit and ludicrous, crazy things can happen. Your life can be turned right round. Your circumstances can be turned upside down. But also, so anything can happen, but you can take courage because you asked for more of the Holy Spirit. You said, your will be done in my circumstances. Send your Holy Spirit into my circumstances. Then everything goes wrong. You think, God's left me. Father doesn't care for me. Uh, this is like a scorpion. If you feel that you've been given a scorpion and you've been asking for the Holy Spirit, trust me, it's bread. It's eggs. You see, this is the point. God, you've given me a scorpion. God, what's this? It's a stone. I asked for the Holy Spirit. You're giving me a stone. You're giving me, what's this? This is a snake. No, 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 no. You're wrong. You've been asking for God's kingdom to come and he's heard you. You've been asking for the Holy Spirit and he's heard you. And what you think is a snake is bread, it's egg, it's provision. The beautiful thing is, when you ask for more of the Holy Spirit and you seek him consistently, like I hope we're doing in this season, God's going to start sending his Holy Spirit and in the end, he's going to bring you through. If you feel you're in a, you've got a scorpion in your hand, it's going to turn to an egg. If you feel it's a snake, it's not a snake. You ask for more of the Holy Spirit. He's coming to take control. And when the Holy Spirit comes and takes control, very often you feel like you've lost control. I'm going to say that again because it's a key. When the Holy Spirit comes to take control on the inside and in your circumstances, often you will feel a loss of control. Oh God, what's happening? Well, what's going on on the inside of me? What's going on in my mind? What's going on the in What's happening in my circumstance? What's going on? Uh, uh, I'm no longer under control. I've no longer got these things under control. Exactly. You ask for more of the Holy Spirit. That means more influence, more activity. You see, if you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, but don't ask for more of the Holy Spirit, then what can happen is God can just leave you quietly to your own devices. You think everything's fine, everything's wonderful. You think nothing's really happening, no real change is taking place. Well, perhaps that's because you have so little of the Holy Spirit working in your life, heart and circumstances. Is that possible? Yes. So what do I do? Ask for more. And what you'll find is there'll be an increase, a magnification of his work in your life, an increase and an intensifying of his work in your heart and in your circumstances. So, you know, ask for the Holy Spirit and then you'll trace it. You won't see it immediately. This is the asking, the seeking. But God, this is one prayer that God is going to answer. 
Father, more of the Holy Spirit. But I just want to share with you tonight how the Holy Spirit works. Or, or I don't want you to go through what I have gone through at times, where I'm asking for more of the Holy Spirit, and when he turns up, I'm resisting him and calling him the devil. Because I don't know how the Holy Spirit is working in my life. Because I've got this set pattern in my mind. That when the Holy Spirit comes in power, it'll be more gifts, more ministry, more, you know, this, that and the other and everything like that. And it will, it will. We know that. We're Pentecostals. We expect that. We're believing for that. Seek earnestly the gifts, but desire love. We, we know that. I'm, I'm laboring. I'm talking about these issues because I know you know those other, those other things. But when you ask for the Holy Spirit, it's going to bring more samples of heaven into your experience. And it, although you lose control at times, you just keep believing that the Father's still in control. Keep believing that the Father loves you and is providing for you and sorting things out. And then what happens is you begin to get testimonies. You begin to say, wow. God, the Holy Spirit came and worked in my circumstances. It got a bit messy, but then it all got right, so much better than it was. Oh, God, the Holy Spirit started doing all sorts of things inside me, and, and I didn't, and I was losing control on the inside. Or I was feeling bad and wondering what had happened, but I just kept saying, "Father, I know you love me, and I don't understand this, but I'm believing for bread, I'm believing for fish, I'm believing for egg. In other words, I'm believing for more of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to trust you. It, clouds have come, but I'm going to trust." you that you're still shining, that you're getting me into the place for blessing. I'll finish on this, again right at the beginning of my book that I wrote, not that I'm pushing it because you can't buy it, but this is what's in me at the moment. I remember when I'd gone through a test, a trial, it was a difficult time, it was quite a few years ago, what I'm thinking of, it was a hard trial, but when I came through it, I sort of thought to myself, do you know what? Well done. I, I, I did all right in that test. I graded myself seven out of ten because I trusted the Lord. I tried to go the fruit of the Spirit way. Uh, I tried to keep the flesh out of the circumstances and take it to the Lord and not try and manipulate it or, or use the works of the flesh. And so I thought, you know, seven out of ten. I went through it. I never want to go through it again. But I went through and I thought, you know, that's a seven out of ten in my view. And then I felt the Holy Spirit sort of coming with assurance, and deep within me, I sort of didn't hear a voice, but it was like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, and he said, well, well done, you came through that test. And then he said, words to this effect, but you're not yet ready for my greatest test. I thought, oh God. <laughs> I thought, what's going to happen? Some health issue? What, what, you know, you know. You said, and it was like, just, it was just a moment, as he said, you're not ready for my greatest test before he went on. But that moment, I was filled with dread. Because it had been a, a difficult test. Now, I'm not ready for... I thought, oh dear, just gets going to get worse and worse. But then he continued. And he said, well done. You passed that test. But you're not yet ready for my greatest test. The test of my blessing. You know, God's blessing will ruin the immature. And the immature will ruin God's blessing. So when God sends his Holy Spirit to us, not only will blessing come, he is the blessing, but also he's preparing us for greater blessings. 
so that we can be mature enough to handle greater samples of heaven and to steward that on earth. Isn't that all the steward passage in the New Testament of the talents and all that? Isn't that, isn't that samples of heaven being given to people and, and how mature they are to use it? And the disciples were always fighting over who was going to be the best in the kingdom, who was going to have the greatest part, who was going to have as more, you know. Anyway, I think that's enough tonight. Uh, I think I've discharged what I want to say. Let's just, if I could have the worship team on that, let's just take a few moments. <clears throat> What's the Holy Spirit doing in your life? I spoke about how he comes inside you to work and in your circumstances, I could also have gone on to say how then he comes upon you to anoint you to work for, for you. The anointing that comes upon in the gifts of the Spirit and wherever you are to preach the gospel. He works in you, he works in the circumstances, and he empowers you. And when you ask for more of the Holy Spirit, he may work more in, in, in circumstances than inside or inside than circumstances or upon you. How he works, that's his business, but these are the signs. When you have more of the Holy Spirit, you have uh, more of his grace at work. How is he working in your life right now? And how are you responding to him?